today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We let our minds run away and get away and we think on other things. And what will always ensue when we do? Fear, anxiety, worry, confusion, consternation. I mean, the list can go on and on. But when my mind is fixed on Him, settled, anchored on Him, (laughs) what was your problem again? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. It's easy to let our thoughts run away from us. We allow fear in, and it turns to anxiety in the way we approach everything. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that we don't have to let our emotions drive us. We can rest in God's incredible peace if we only learn to remain focused and fixed on Him and His Word. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We find ourselves today in the book of Hebrews, amazing book of Hebrews, and today chapter 3, the entirety, Lord willing, of the chapter, verses 1 through 19. So we'll encourage you to turn there if you're not there already. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one, verse 2, who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house, verse 4, is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are His house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says, today, If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So, verse 11, 
I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But, verse 13, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, verse 14, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they, verse 16, who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And verse 18, to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed. And verse 19, lastly, which really spills into chapter 4. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. I think that's self-explanatory. You want to just close in prayer and we'll... (laughs) So I would like to ask and answer this question. Are our Christian lives really all about Jesus? I mean, we know it, we say it, we sing it. It's all about you, right? We post it. Pastors preach it, but is it? I think we'd all do well to consider this as we go through this very interesting chapter. I say interesting because the writer of Hebrews refers to Moses, who points to Jesus, and in so doing presents us with four such questions in this regard. And please know before we jump into this, that these are questions that I ask of myself as well. Verses 1 through 6 have the first question. Are my thoughts fixed on Jesus? Here we're told that our heavenly calling is that of fixing our thoughts on Jesus, whom we have acknowledged as, very important, our apostle and high priest. Now, why? Well, the reason is, is that Jesus was found worthy 
of greater honor than Moses, who, as the writer of Hebrews reminds us, was just the builder of the house. What house? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You asked, right? It's important to understand that the writer of Hebrews is referring to the tabernacle. And Moses was commanded to build the tabernacle exactly, precisely, specifically as God commanded him to for a reason. And we're going to see why. I say it this way because the specific detail, I mean down to the color of the thread of the curtains, the measurements, the size, the arrangement, the structure, the height, the width, the breadth, everything, down to the most minute detail, was a picture of the person of Jesus Christ. Not only was it a picture of Christ, even more specifically, the tabernacle was also a picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I want to show you an image that I had to go back into my archives when we were in our verse-by-verse study through the books of Exodus and Numbers. So you'll notice that there are three sections. This is a picture of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are also seven furnishings, seven, the number of completion. And they are arranged in the shape of a cross as a picture, a type, a prophecy, if you prefer, of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Every detail about the tabernacle and subsequently the temple pointed to and was fulfilled by the person of Jesus Christ. You know, the book of Numbers I have to say was probably one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. And it's unfortunate because the book of Numbers gets a lot of bad press because, I mean, just the name of the book, Numbers, boring, anything but. The book of Numbers is one of the most fascinating books in all of the Bible. What is the book of Numbers about? Wait for it. (laughs) Numbers. Really? Why is that important? Oh, because we need to know about the numbers of the Israelites. We need to know the numbers of the camp of the Israelites. And we're told these numbers in the book of Numbers. Not only was the tabernacle itself a picture of the cross, so too was the formation of the camps of the Israelites, with the tabernacle in the center, also a picture of the finished work of Jesus Christ 
on the cross. In Numbers 2, we have this list of the numbers. And I mean, you read through it. Try to pronounce the names of these people first. And then you kind of, you know, look at all these numbers and you ask yourself the question, why do I need to know this? Well, what we know to be true is that every word in God's Word is there for a reason. And it's there for our instruction, our rebuke sometimes, if need be. But it's there for a reason. And we're going to see the reason in just a moment. So we're told specifically that the 12 tribes of Israel were to divide into four groups of three tribes each, capped to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. And we're even told the numbers of the totals of these camps, and they are listed here. I won't go through them. I'll spare you. But when you get to Numbers chapter 22, you understand why it is that Balaam couldn't curse the camp of the Israelites. Even when Balak, in all of his frustration and anger, took Balaam to a higher vantage point. Maybe the reason why every time you try to pronounce a curse, what comes out of your mouth is a blessing instead. And not just a blessing, but I mean it is a glorious blessing. And I'm paying you big bucks to curse these people who are growing in numbers. I just, that'll be the last time I mention numbers. Actually, not really. One more time, maybe. So he takes him up to this higher vantage point, and he tries to pronounce a curse on the camp of the Israelites, but we just got done being told how they were numbered and formed, and the formation of the camp of the Israelites and their numbers. And we were also told that the tabernacle was right smack in the middle of that camp, in that formation, in the shape of a cross. There is therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8.1, no curse, no guilt for those that are in Christ Jesus. He could not curse them because it was a type, a foreshadow, a formation, a prophecy of the coming Savior of the world, who would go to a Roman cross before a Roman cross had ever even been thought of. And there He would die for the sins of mankind, and have His blood shed in our stead, and pay in full. That's why. So you start in Genesis 1, 1, and you go all the way through to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. If you're Italian, you can call them Malachi, as some do. That's fine. Every single book, every single chapter in every single book, every single verse, you find that it's all about Jesus. It points to Jesus. It paints a picture of Jesus. Even when the high priest would go in and the priest to do the service there in the tabernacle, and then subsequently in the temple, it was all about Jesus. The wave offering. Don't think of it like we do, you know, the wave. Whoa, do the wave. It wasn't like that. The priest was to take the offering and wave it north, south, 
east, west, shape of a cross. You know, in Exodus, the plagues, that 10th plague, the firstborn son would die unless there was the blood of a lamb that had been inspected for four days, the number of days that Jesus was on trial and found to be without sin, without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. And on that 10th day, at the exact hour that Jesus was crucified, they would take and they would slay that lamb. They would break his skin, body, and out would come the blood, and they would take that blood, and they would put it on the doorposts of their house. The top, the bottom was a basin, the left and the right, in the shape of a cross. So that when the angel of death came, they would not perish, but be saved. Why? Because the angel of death would pass over them. Why? Because they had the blood of the Lamb. Everything points to the person of Jesus Christ. John 1.14, And the Word, Jesus, was made flesh, and dwelt, key word, tabernacled, among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, when we get to Hebrews chapters 8 and 9, we're going to learn more about and go more in depth concerning the significance of the tabernacle. But I want you to listen to verse 5 of Hebrews 8. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. It has to be precise because it is a copy, a picture, a type. Uh, this other image, I well, maybe I will go back to it, why not? Live on the edge, just real quick, indulge me. You know when you get to the book of Revelation, we're told about the four living creatures before the throne, and they are just worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Do you realize that is a picture of what it's going to be like in heaven? He will be at the center, and you've got four living creatures, and you go into the study of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are all a picture of this scene. This is a copy. It's a foreshadow of exactly what it's going to be like in heaven. Can't wait. Okay, what's your point, Pastor? Maybe you're asking, do you even have a point? I do. I actually do have a point. Here's the point. Every time the Israelites were at the tabernacle, their thoughts were to be fixed on the Lord. Everything that was done in the tabernacle, the arrangement of the tabernacle, the construction of the tabernacle, everything was to put their thoughts on 
on the Lord. This is Isaiah 26.3. You will keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Happy is the man, happy is the woman whose mind is stayed on the Lord. You know, sometimes we let our mind get away with things, don't we? We let our minds run away and get away, and we think on other things. And what will always ensue when we do? Fear, anxiety, worry, confusion, consternation. I mean, the list can go on and on. But when my mind is fixed on Him, settled, anchored on Him, (laughs) what was your problem again? He will keep you in perfect peace. Perfect peace. I think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, it's recorded, verses 6 through 8. It's actually the cure for worry. If you're a worrier, This is the cure for worry. You don't want to worry? You'll worry about no thing if you thank God for anything and pray about everything. And when you do, the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, kind of goes over your head, past your mind, and it keeps your heart and mind in perfect peace in Christ. And then when you get to verse 8, he says something very interesting. He says, whatsoever things are, think on these things, and he lists them. And if your mind is on these things, and you're thinking on these things, perfect peace, perfect peace. You know, on our uh, update, we're going to talk about it again today. Yeah, you have the, this reference to these 12 spies that Moses caved under pressure and sent out to spy out the land that God had already given them. What, what you, need to, you need to check it out? See if what I'm telling you is true or not? You, well, you don't believe me? It's a land flowing of milk and honey. It's, I, I, I promised you, I, I'm giving you this land, just go take it. No, we better check it out first. Just, just to be sure, play it safe. I mean, after all, who knows what's there? <laughs> I think about how we are so prone to think on those giant Amalekites, Anakites in the land that God promised us, and they beget, become so big that our God becomes so small. And isn't it true that the more you think on and look at the problem, the bigger it gets? Oh, come on. I mean, our minds have this ability to manufacture the most horrific of scenarios. I mean, we'll go as far down this road, this horror (laughs) movie, as our minds can. And the next thing you know, we're, uh, I mean, we're paralyzing fear. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews, right here on In Spirit and Truth. To